and gentlemen. What's good, y'all? It's Chris Gary. It's Andrew Benjamin. And you're listening to yet another unusual edition of the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things about the Rising Fight Federation, Japanese MMA, pop culture, us shooting the shit, you name it, we have it. You can follow us on all forms of social media, well, just Twitter. I'm on Twitter at ChrisGary92. Andrew is on Twitter at Avenger1. And the show Twitter is We Are Rising Pod, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-M-P-O-D, all in one word. And, of course, Andrew, I'm just now realizing that this is going to be the first show in a long time where we get to talk about the main subject of this podcast, and that is the Rising Fighting Federation. And as you know, as of recording last night, July the 8th, well, actually, it was July the 8th at midnight Eastern time, July 7th here. But point of the matter is, the Rising Fighting Federation announced two full cards two four fight sets of a couple of cars that will take place August 8th and 9th, or in the case of the rest of the world, August 9th and 10th, from the brand new Yokohama Arena, well, Pia Arena, P-I-A Arena, M-M, in Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan. It's a new 10,000-seat venue that was supposed to have opened up back in April, international rock icons Iron Maiden hosting their first show but of course quarantine hell caused everything to be damaged so this is what they'll have to do anyways Andrew I mean before I take over the first portion of this show a little too deep what are your thoughts about Ryzen finally coming back and can you Review the first eight fights on these two cards. Man, you know, I was so happy. And I even, the second press conference that happened. When that first press conference happened, and it was just Nobuyuki Sakakibara, just, you know, talking to a camera. And, you know, I don't understand a lot of Japanese, but I was able to pick up some things and also through the help of translations. When he came on and... As soon as he announced Ryzen 22, Ryzen 23, both in August, like, this, I just, this feeling inside me, like, just shot up. Like, just so much positive energy came through me. And it seemed like a lot of people who who got up at 6 a.m. to watch the initial press conference, and then when the fights were announced uh, yesterday... It seemed like so much positivity was going through people as well. It confirmed that Ryzen wasn't dead. There was a pe- you know, I actually there was people who were actually saying that Ryzen was was dead, even though there was no evidence that it was. It it squashed rumors that Ryzen was like deep in some like financial hole. I don't believe it is, uh, regardless of of how they're raising funds for their show. Um, for the shows, I should say, and uh-huh. when as soon as 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 those fights, 
As soon as I saw all those fighters sitting at the Weston Hotel in uh, Ibizu uh, for the second press conference where they announced all those fights, it and also, by the way, also that trailer uh, that they showed, um, that they showed for both shows, Ryzen 22 and 23, uh, which they've subtitled uh, 22, Starting Over, and 23, Calling Over, it feels like so many things are great in the world right now. And that we finally get a great major alternative. You know, I'm, I've been watching the USD um, shows, no-person no shows. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. But, you know, UFC shows, you kind of... They're not... It's the only thing that's on right now in terms of combat sports. Other than Submission Underground. But with Rise of Combat, we find... Well, for me, and again, hate to interrupt, kind of my thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but for me, I've been watching some old school boxing fights. Like, basically reminiscing off of watching some old school bouts from the 90s and the early 2000s, making them reminisce about the time when my grandfather was still alive, and it's been 22 years since he passed away this summer. But still, point of the matter is I've been watching old fights, and I've been watching a lot of top rank on ESPN, as well as UFC, and I obviously realized there's not enough combat sports action you know, for the world to go around other than what's going on with Top Rank, what's going on with the UFC, what's going on with whatever Kerbaka Hitman, shout out to him, is putting up. You know? I, know, I, I also mean, if you want to kind of that sports schedule. Well, I count also New Japan as like the only or one of the Japanese pro wrestling promotions as well that's uh, still, that's still operating. You could, I guess you could count those as well. But for the most part, of there has been no, since that K1 uh, show, the big K1 Festa show that we talked about earlier, uh, was that back in March? They have been back in March, I think, right? I would like to think so. It was That's back in March. That, that was the last major show that happened in Japan, uh, combat sports show. You know, full audience, all that stuff. Since then... So many shows have been canceled, including Ryzen. We've seen shows with Deep Jewels, Deep, Pancras, Shuto, all being postponed, canceled, yada, yada, yada. But finally, we got something to look forward to, and I'm not going to forget those fights. This is what they announced so far. This is a preliminary card for Ryzen 22 at the uh, Pia Arena in Yokohama. Bantamweight 61 kill... Why are you reading this off of, by the way? I will be reading this off of Wikipedia for today. Um... Because Tapology, I don't know, okay. it's what it hasn't. I don't think it's been updated yet. As uh, people at Tapology are great, but they've been also very. Uh, they haven't. They've been. Uh, Lazy. I don't know. Maybe just you know, maybe they're taking a break from all the MMA stuff, or from like some of the foreign MMA stuff. Who knows? But I got Wikipedia up, um, and we got uh, a, a bantamweight sixty-one kilogram match between Naoki Inoue versus Shuto Watanabe, a featherweight. 60 kilo, 66 kilogram matchup between Tetsuya Seki versus Yojiro Uchimura. A lightweight 71 kilogram matchup between Yusuke Yachi versus Roberto Satoshi Souza. So far, the only foreigner on the list on the uh, on the fight cards. And the, a women's super atom weight match at 49 kilograms. Kana Azakura versus Mizuki Furuse. 
And then on Ryzen 23, which will happen the very next day, uh, we will have a bantamweight 61 kilogram match between Yuki Matoya versus Mamoru Full Swing Yuoi. Featherweight 66 kilogram match between Yutaka Saito, the pancreas uh, featherweight champion, versus Kazumasa Majima. A catchweight 59 kilogram match between Seichiro Ito versus Makoto Shinryu. And then for the vacant bantamweight title, we'll have Hurumasa Ogikubo, number one contender, taking on Kai Azakura. And so far, these fights are looking great. We're not going to review them or preview them now, but Christian, what do you think of uh, what do you think so far of what these cards are looking like? Well, since you're saying we're not going to preview now, I'm just going to read off of... Uh, I'm just going to read off of the tail of the tape that each fight has, if that's okay with you. I know we ain't got much long to do this, but still, to hell with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, damn phones. Always turn your phone off when you record, kids. <laughs> well, actually, always turn the sounds from your phone off when you're recording this. Unprofessional tale. But still, point of the matter is, when it comes down to night one, which will obviously take place on, I guess now, from what I'm looking at on topology, it's going to have a 1 a.m. Central Time start time on Sunday, August 9th, and I guess on Sunday, August 10th as well. But when it comes down to these two fight cards on August 9th, obviously, if you exclude the Tetsuya Seiki fight versus Yojo Uchibura, you got three world-class bouts that, you know, are guaranteed to steal the show. No disrespect to Seiki versus Uchimura, but, but if you think about it, Naoki anyway, ever since he's been in the rising ring, has been on a bit of a, he's, his career has been teeter-tottering since coming into the, I mean, since coming into the rising ring. He's 13-2 and two overall, trains out of Sierra Longo in New York City by way of Toyohashi Aichu, Japan. And he's, well, actually, no, he hasn't been wishy-washy about it. He's only had one fight in the promotion, and that was a unanimous decision win back on February 22nd against Trent Gurdon. So he is definitely going to want to show his skills. I mean, he's definitely going to want to show the skills that he learned under Ray Longo and Matt Terracera, you know, learning from, well, actually, no. Ray Longo and Chris White, from what he previously learned. His opponent, Watanabe, who was 24 and 6 with Blendo Contest, representing Strapple Shinyuri Gaoka in. Strapple Shinyuri Gaoka in. Sorry, folks. Kind of doing this on the fly. Strapple Shinyuri Gaoka in Kawasaki Kanagawa, Japan. Watanabe is the current fighting nexus bantamweight champion. So he's going to definitely have a lot to prove. As far as the Kana versus Mizuki fight goes, obviously Kana felt a little unsatisfied in her Bellator Japan bout against, if I'm not mistaken, 
think it was Jimmy Henshaw. Uh, that was a fight. Yeah, Jamie Adabon Henshaw back on December 29th. I mean, still, she's going to want to try and prove that she still has it. But Mizuki Furuse is currently riding a four-fight winning streak and is obviously a star in Deep Jewels, as this will be only her second fight outside of the promotion as a professional. So she is going to look to knock kind of off her pedestal. But as far as that lightweight bout goes between Yusuke Yachi and Roberto Satoshi de Sousa, which, by the way, the dude is Brazilian. You're supposed to say, you're supposed to say Brazilian names with an H sound instead of an R sound, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but still, Yusuke Yachi, fresh off the finish, well, actually, fresh off a phenomenal fight at the Bellator Japan show late last year, the dude is looking to prove that he still has what it takes to be, you know, an incredible fighter, especially after training most of the last six months at Stafford, I mean, at Stanford MMA with Henry Hoop in South Florida. I mean, obviously, this dude is looking to continue his role of being one of the top lightweights in the world. But Alberto Satoshi de Sosa, isn't he coming off a loss? Yeah, the uh, the Johnny Case fights. That was his last MMA fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that he's currently 2-1 and one in Bryson. He knocked out Satoru Kitoka. He knocked out Mizuto Putin and Hirota and sent him into retirement. But he's still looking to shake the cowwebs off of beating Johnny Case. And obviously, do we even want to talk about that one-on-five jiu-jitsu bout that he had mm-hmm. at Ryzen so, 21? Overall question. Because I have a few. Overall question. The, qu- the question I have for, for Ryzen. There's only been four fights for Ryzen 22. I think Desikagi Bar said that they were going to announce a total of um, probably eight or nine fights. Maybe ten. What do you think of the card of that card specifically so far? Do you think that that uh, there there's that it was a good way to start off? Do they have enough star power? You think? You think that that these are? Do you think these were um, good fights to make so far? Well, if you think about it, considering the fact there is no international talent, you know, set to compete due to travel bans and all that, aside from. This also who's already in Japan. I mean, you would have to think that the three bouts that I mentioned as being the ones that were still the show at Rise in 22, Inoue versus Watanabe, Kana versus Furuse, and Yachi de Sosa, who obviously Yachi is coming off of a win, a soccer kick win over Hiroto Uesako after coming off of three straight losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude is looking to make a name, to continue to make a name for himself as he had against Mario Sismundo, Darren Crookshank, Satoru Kitaoka, Takin, Nagomi, and Diego Nunes. I guess I guess still. The point is, I think that, and I hate to, you know, keep my thoughts going, even though it sounds like I'm rambling at this point, Ryzen 22. And if this fight was, if this was the official fight card as of right now, 
just those four fights, I would have to say, you know, it's missing something. Because mm. we've seen in the trailer that Hurston Yamamoto and Tiger Kawabe were supposed to be fighting on either one of these cards, but need we forget Hurston's kind of a 500 fighter and Tiger just wants to try not to get his head kicked in. But still, I would have to think that this particular fight card is missing something, but the three fights that I mentioned would definitely be the ones anchoring the whole show together. Okay. I guess because so far, you know, we only have one title match. That's a, that's a Rise of 23 match. And, you know, this was the big issue that, you know, I think you and I and others have talked about rising when you introduce belts. Now, suddenly, you know, you have the responsibility of, you know, there's, you have the risk of having Bates being vacated, interim, that sort of thing. So, right now... Yeah, but if you think about it, Ryzen's been doing well by not doing the whole I word. Do you think... <laughs> that's true, that's true. Do you think that there needs to be... Uh, that there needs to be a... Something, I guess... That sticks with the Ryzen 22? Because if you were telling me, like, you know, uh, if, let's just say, you know, they decided to do, like, a New Japan thing, have only, like, I mean, New Japan's doing, like, five or four matches per show now. If they just did a, uh, just these four fights for Ryzen 22, Ryzen 23, because they realized, oh, uh, they're, they're, they're also going to be running at half capacity, 5,000. So we'll give, we'll give some, we'll give a little, we'll give four great fights versus, you know, Ten fights where four could be great and six could be bad. You know, they decided to do less is more. Do you think that... I feel like the Ryzen 23 card has more to stand on than the Ryzen 22 card so far. It's because it has a title fight, right? Yeah, and I feel like there needs to be something added like that. I guess a title match, something like that for the Ryzen 22 show. You know, maybe, I don't know, light heavyweight. I know light heavyweights are very rare in Japan. Um... So, I don't know. There needs to be... I feel yeah, like... but here's the thing, though. Like you said, light heavyweights are very, very Japan. Hell, the upper weight classes, if you go up past welterweight, those are very rare in Japan, too. And I don't think that when it comes down to the light heavyweight title that you should be giving it to... I mean, you should be giving your prime spot in your division to two Japanese nobodies that nobody really heard of instead of giving it to Simon I mean instead of giving it to Simon Beong and Jake Hume or mm -hmm. Ivan Shurtikov and Jake Hume C B Dalloway unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, that on paper right now the card looks good well if you tell me the difference between the two, I think the Rise of twenty three looks great and the Rise of twenty two looks good. So far, but I just feel it needs a little extra something. Because uh, if I, mm -hmm. no, I was gonna say because if, if I had the choice between going to one show or seeing one show or the other, I choose Rise of Twenty Three altogether because of that title match. I think that is a very compelling title match to make. Rise of Twenty Two just kind of seems to be. It feels like it's more like a, a like like a mishmash of matches, and that's not a complaint. But the, the but the but the star power and the other than maybe the the Naoki Inoue Shoto Watanabe fight and Yusuke Yachi uh, Souza, 
you know, uh, the other two fights that they've announced uh, just seem to be not as, I guess, delicious. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I feel like so far that the, the Ryzen 23 card has more stand on. Obviously, you know, that's going to change, you know, in the next few weeks. But we're just, you know, we're, that's also just the, great, the greater um, question I have is that, you know, the pros and cons of a of an all Japanese or all people living in Japan card. Do you foresee this being at all uh, a difficulty for maybe you know maybe some Western fans? I don't know if there's any casual Ryzen fans who are like I don't know a lot about these fighters. Uh, you know I know who the Darren Crookshanks, I know who the Johnny Cases are, I know who the Damian Browns are, the Jay Coons. Those are the guys I, 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 I'm familiar with and I want to see. Do you think that it will all be an issue for these cars coming up? Well, I mean, ain't it obvious? Because if you look at the Ryzen 23 card, aside from the two Bantamweight belts, Montoya versus Mamoru Oi Full Swing, you're supposed to say the nickname for Oi after his full name, not mm. his, not use it as a suffix, dude. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah. Aside from Montoya versus Full Swing, and aside from the Bantamweight belt between Oki Kubo and Asakura, which is definitely going to be compelling given the background between these two men. I mean, obviously, Oki Kubo fought Horiguchi. I mean, Oki Kubo fought Kyoji Horiguchi twice. Asakura beat both Horiguchi and Manel Cape, the previous two champions, before losing to Cape on New Year's Eve. But still, if you look at these two other fights, Yutaka Saito versus former or current Rebel FC world champion Kazumasa Maijima, and Seichiro Ito versus 19-year-old Makoto Takahashi, Makoto Shinryu, I mean, you would probably, I mean, if you're the average fan, and you're thinking about looking at these two particular fights right here, you would probably be wondering, okay, what the hell am I going to be watching? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's also, but, you know, one of the pros I think that's great is, uh, I know that, and I hear this a lot of New Japan, is that sometimes they, that they, uh, that they focus way too much on foreigners. I don't think that Ryzen's really done that, and plus they really can't control that, you know, the outcome of fights. Um, um, where the hell have you been for the last five years? No, sorry. <laughs> sorry? I mean, I'm sorry, man. Have you seen all of Ryzen's fights for most of the last five years? Oh, yeah, but they... the main events? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm saying that they aren't... They aren't going out of their way to, like, give a lot of foreigners, I think, easy fights. I think a lot of times, you know, the foreigners in Ryzen seem to get the harder fights, at least it seems, or at least the perceived harder fights. Uh, we've had fighters say that, like Johnny Case. Johnny Case has said that he, that he uh, thinks that he was given, you know, with his first two fights in Ryzen, you know, against Yachi, and then, um... Uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting his second fight, uh, but, uh, yeah, that he was, uh, he was given the... It was, I think, Yachi, and then it was Damian Brown. No, no, he never fought Brown, he never fought Brown in, in Ryzen, um, he fought, um, was it, I don't think it was Gomi, um... Oh, it. no, shit, it definitely wasn't Gomi. 
Uh, Kitaoka. Kitaoka. Yeah, Kitaoka. I'm sorry. He got fuck off uh, uh, Kitaoka. Um, you know, he yes, got. Yes, I told Kitaoka, and he finished him off. Yeah, he. Actually, he, he tapped him out. Yeah, so he, you know, he was given two. I, I perceive, you know, what I perceive is two Japanese fighters who they wanted to go, especially Yachi. You know, they want Yachi to be their golden boy in the lightweight division. I mean, come to think of it, he did go three and one in the promotion. He, you know, tied out Yachi to the point where he got his eye cut. He beat up Satoru Kitaoka to the point where the corner threw him the towel. He knocked out Roberto Satoshi de Sosa. And he got knocked out by Tofi Musayev. hmm hmm So yeah, so I don't think that Rise you know, I think I think the idea is that Rise, especially with the Fuji T V deal, they wanted to build Japanese fighters so they could have people mainland who they could push as stars, not 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 foreigners to come in and be the, the centerpiece just because you can't it's harder to promote foreigners on talk shows, game shows, whatever. So I disagree with your I disagree with what you said. I think that Ryzen they 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 have that they've that they that they have been very uh foreigner fighter friendly if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, but if you think about it, the only reason why Ryzen needs those foreign fighters and it sucks right now because of the fact that travel restrictions, unless you're Lenny Hart, of course, yeah. travel restrictions are you know hell to go through. But I, well, I, but, just, sorry, go ahead. I mean, but still, though, the only reason why Ryzen needs those sport fighters is just so that they can look good in front of the eyes of, you know, the MMA press, even though the MMA press really don't give two flying fucks about them. Yeah, so unless I do, it's New Year's Eve. I do think that. Or unless somebody like Floyd Mayweather comes in and fucks the whole. I do, I do think that the positive, you know, is that we will get to see a lot more fighters uh, who haven't fought on a bigger stage get that opportunity, like uh, Yutaka Saito um, or uh, Makoto Shinryu uh, or, you know, any of the, you know, those types of fighters. Tet- or, you know, we've already, you know, uh, we have fighters who, you know, who I don't, who, they, they, they have uh, fighters from ZST next. So... I think that's By one. Next, you mean? Yep, uh, and I think that's one of the the, the best things. Plus, dude, you got fighters coming in from ZST fighting Nexus. You got the Rebel FC World Champion in Kazumasa Majima, and Rebel FC is based out of Hong Kong, if I'm not mistaken. And you got Utaka Saito, who represents Shudo and Mob Styles, as well as Peruse representing Deep Jewels. No, I so, don't. Yeah, I, that's the much. Gr- yeah. And oh, by the way, Uchimura representing Pang Place as yeah. the current featherweight king of Pang Place champion. That, I mean, I think that's but, great. I think that's great. I want. What do you? Th- what do you think? Isn't that great that some of these guys on the smaller stage get possibly the uh, this get seen wider by you know an audience that may have never ever had a chance to see. Mm-hmm. I mean. Especially when you think about Makoto Takahashi, because of course he was a part of both he and Yusuke were part of that Bellator Japan postman card that nobody in North America got to see. So I felt like he got screwed over, you know, from the public trying to see him. 
at least from the public here in the United States and Canada and all throughout North America. So, you know, if this does go on Fight TV, if both events do go on Fight TV like they're saying they will, you know, this will be a good chance for most of the fighters on these cards to get exposure. But the question I have for you is, they're saying there's going to be eight or nine fights each on one of these two cards. If you play a matchmaker, knowing that there's going to be no foreign representation unless said foreigner is living in Japan training to fight, is it going to be hard for you trying to book fights that people want to see, even though you're going to have to try and screw around with fighters that have middle-of-the-road records and then, let's be honest, fight like they're in freak shows? I, I think that's, that's going to be, uh, that will be an issue as well, because you're going to have, you know, basically a, a smaller town pool just by, just by proxy. I mean, you know, Mizuki Furuse, 7-6. She gets one more loss, and it's a nice even record of 7-7. Seven and seven. So, and, and... Well, of course, it's probably going to happen. I mean, she's going to probably come in as the overwhelming underdog mm-hmm. for this fight. So I guess that is an issue, is that you're going to have to go dig deep. I mean, I, that's kind of a pun, but you do have to dig deep. Uh, look in Shuto, look in Pancras, look in even smaller. Go to ZST, as we mentioned, and fight Nexus. Uh, it's going to have... This, the, the talent pool is going to be a lot smaller. The, the uh, fight experience could potentially also be a lot smaller. And I mean, that's the other thing as well, is that you're going to also have probably a bunch of mismatches as well in, in these fights. Um, you, might have, you might have some that are equal, you know, like uh, Ogikubo, Azakura, but the likelihood of a mismatch, of a severe mismatch, especially when you get into the lighter divisions uh, for women, is going to be much more obvious. And that will be a... That'll be, that is an unfortunate consequence um, of just... Not allowing to bring people in from anywhere. Um, and speaking of uh, international, Christian, I gotta ask. So far, nothing official has been said about the international distribution of these two shows. We do, however, know that a somebody, I forgot who it was, maybe you remember, messaged Fight TV about these shows, saying that they would buy these shows if they were on Fight TV. And Fight TV did say, we will have more information about this in the future. So they didn't deny it, but they didn't say no. Or say yes. So, what do you think? Ryzen still going to be on Fight TV? Did they mend fences? Or is all is, is all well? Did, during quarantine, did they have time to uh, fix their uh, issues? What do you think? Well, to be quite honest, and I don't want to put this particular person out in the open because I want that person to remain as secretive as can be when it comes down to how he got the information for, you know, if Ryzen was going to be shown on fight, even though he got credit, hint, hint. But still, considering the fact that they had a tough time trying to air out Ryzen 21 back in February until... The very last minute when they got Matt Stryker doing it from his bathroom. And yeah, he gave us a little shout out. We're happy. But still, 
point of the matter is, oh, by the way, I can't keep it secret anymore. It was from Luke It's the Lord. I mean, it was from a Twitter account by the name of Swords, who posted on Instagram about the, no, who posted on Reddit about wanting to buy or wanting to order Rise in 22 and 23 if they do indeed show it on fights. But still, yeah, we were happy we got the publicity when Rising 21 came out on fight, but considering the fact that nobody really watched it other than the true diehards of the sport, because there was a UFC card that week, I mean, there was a UFC card, I think, that weekend or the following weekend, and there was a Bellator card in Dublin hours later. Nobody was really interested in the card other than us. And I can say this as well. In order for Ryzen's future on fight to be secure, they're going to need to do a hell of a lot more than sell it to the diehards. They're going to need to sell it to the casual fans, too, like how they did for Ryzen 14, when, unfortunately, Mayweather took advantage of, you know, the fragility of Tenshin Nasukawa mm-hmm. by beating him senseless in one round after so much buildup. But still... What they're going to need to do is cater to casual fans, cater to the fans that don't even like or don't even follow boxing or MMA or pro wrestling. And considering the fact that Fight now has concerts, now has motorsports, they're planning on showing basketball games, and obviously they've shown Texas high school 7-on-7 football on their platform before. I mean, basically, they're just branching out away from combat sports and showing all this other stuff. They're going to need to try and do their best to keep martial arts on their platform. MMA, boxing, kickboxing, pro wrestling, and left way, as well as sumo. They're going to need to do their damnedest to put over the casual fan and get them to put this show over as well. Because, you know, in order for Fight TV to draw at least the budget, or to get Matt Stryker an extra commentary partner, they're going to have to have the casual fan invested in these events. Mm-hmm. I can also tell you that for that show, the Matt Stryker show, I think I maybe got no feedback. I think I got either little to no feedback on that show. You know, usually we get, I get, we get tons of feedback uh, after the show, at the fight's end. You know, either right after or... You know, hours after after people get some sleep. But I did not receive any feedback that I can recall for that show. And if I did, it was not a lot. And the and well as well, I measure as well by the amount of how many times my uh, Fight TV code is used uh, when somebody signs up. I didn't get anybody signing up for that show. I've gotten, I got signs for so many times for previous shows, got the credits, never got anything for that show. Got zero. Um... And so that was, so basically you let it be known that February yeah. 22nd was a lazy day for you. As well, uh, we, I think we should also know that, uh, everybody know that Frank Trigg did a radio interview um, uh, early, uh, right, uh, after the that Rise in 21 show. And he said, and he actually said a lot of interesting things. Uh, one thing was that it was apparently Fight TV 
or at least he seemed to apply that Fight TV were the ones who were paying him and bankrolling the uh, the uh, the airfare to and from. It wasn't a rising thing. Apparently, it was all Fight TV doing taking care of everything uh, for Frank Trigg and Joe Ferraro. Um, but apparently, uh, it seemed like is it sounded like that just Fight TV wanted to stop using them for financial reasons. It wasn't a rising call. It was a it was a Fight TV thing. Uh, so yeah, you know. You it, know what? I think that has something to do with paying for their flights. Yeah. You know, paying for room and board, trying to get them from from Toronto and from LA to Japan just to get out and do the shows. I, I also support, respectively, Toronto being, I mean, Toronto, Ontario being where Joe Ferraro is from, Frank Trigg lives in the Los Angeles area. I don't think that Mike Schreiber did bad, but he, he dearly needed somebody. He needed uh, a color guy, you know, like a, a fighter or somebody to be on his side, uh, especially for the jiu-jitsu uh, exhibition. So if there is international, international distribution from fight, they do get Matt Stryker. I think it's best that he doesn't go solo. You need somebody else. And here's the thing. You know, actually, here's the funny thing as well. Since they would, if they do have English commentary... You know, it's entirely possible. Who knows? They may not have English commentary. I sincerely doubt it, but it's entirely possible. Maybe they're just going to do away with it altogether. Who knows? Um, or, but, you know what? Maybe we, you and I, I mean, you don't have any commentary experience. Unfortunately, I don't have any actual commentary experience considering I do virtual wrestling. But, maybe... If there is no commentary and it does come out, you know, for, you know, that second screen experience, maybe we could probably do something like some Mystery Science Theater 3000 bullshit oh. and try and get that working. Oh, hey, that'd be great. That would be great. I wouldn't mind doing that. That'd be interesting. Or maybe something on Twitch or something, you know, do a like a Twitch comment live watch along or something, maybe. Yeah, but we would also have to get Johan Yusuf to help us. Oh yeah, I mean, the, the, the Twitch video game, the the, the Malaysian the Malaysian Twitch King. I like to call him the Malaysian Twitch King. Um, yeah, that's what you would call him. But here's the I thing: I was is, so tired enough that I couldn't even stay up to talk to the dude. So, but here's the other issue as well. So, with international distribution, so we got two shows. They're back to back. Now, as uh, what do we do? But what do you do for charging for the shows? I mean, what what was the last price for the Rise in Twenty show? Wasn't it like nineteen dollars, nineteen ninety nine? I think. Uh, let me go ahead and check because unlike unlike the Mayweather fight, which was twenty five dollars if you had that on there, it was twenty dollars if you had the regular fight card without the Mayweather fight. You know, basically, you had to deal with a lot of red tape. And, uh, I mean, I did buy Rise of the 20, by the way, thanks to you and your fight credits. But still, mm-hmm. the point of the matter is, I think Rise of the 20 costed anywhere between, like, Because I know a lot of people, 15. yeah, I, I remember there being a lot of complaints about the, uh, the price of the card and uh, what, uh, I remember hearing about that a lot. Um, 
Ryzen, let's see, I'm looking up now, Ryzen 21. Oh, they don't say what it is once you uh, buy it, actually. Um, uh, yeah, of course. So let's... I mean, it is true, but if you think about it, you know, it sucks that people have to pay that high just to get an event. And to put it in comparison, of course, Ryzen 14, Ryzen 14 costed $19, well, $20 to watch, you know, regularly, or $25 for the Mayweather fight included. Yeah. And by the way, Ryzen 20 also costed 20 bucks as well. Well, so it, it steadily went up since they started. Remember, well, first of all, they start, first of all, you couldn't access the shows when they first started, except for that Breakfast with Fedor, so TV. Then they were free on Eversport. Then when they went oh, to... Oh, yeah, they were definitely free on and Eversport. And then when they went to fight... They started off cheap, and but then they started the prices start increasing, which is you know understandable. You start gaining audience, you start you know that's just naturally what happens. But what about these shows? Uh, because what what do you do? You charge the same? Do you charge more? Do you charge less? What especially because you know here's the thing: they're, they're not going to be sending commentators over there. Um, you got to have a price that that satisfies both Ryzen and Fight. What do you do? Do you also offer a package? What one one, one one package for for twenty five dollars. I don't know. Um, in case if you don't want to see both shows, you just want, or you want to see both shows, or you know, separate. You know, do the thing where you know it's more expensive to buy it separately. You know, what what is? Do you have any thoughts to that? I mean, to be quite honest with you, I think that if they don't drop the price down, at least for this particular car, considering how few fights are on there and I think the lowest price they had for a fight card on their platform was like seven ninety nine for some bullshit from Europe or something. But still, point of the matter is they don't drop the prices for this event, for these set of events, at least. I think that they're going crazy mm. because... You know, people want to be able to see this, and that's what we ended up getting with every sport back in the day. But, you know, we don't want to be screwed out of our money trying to see some shit that we know is going to probably be put up somewhere on the internet down well, the line. Just also to, to put some context as well, they've raised the, t the prices for their tickets for the show for the shows as well. Um, I think the highest price ticket is off is... I think it was a hundred thousand yen, maybe. I believe. Um, oh yeah, you know what? If you've seen the tickets for the upcoming shows that are going to happen, I just realized the prices range anywhere between eighty-two U.S. dollars and nine hundred and twenty-six U.S. dollars. God damn! And I Ryzen tickets were not that expensive when I went there. Uh, uh, for the uh, uh, open weight Grand Prix, excuse me, the heavyweight Grand Prix, and uh, so yeah, they definitely raised the ticket prices, which uh, I think we definitely this also is going to go into our next subject, crowdfunding. So Sakaki so Bar said that uh, that they are that well they are using crowdfunding uh, to help with the funds for these two shows, and uh, right now I'm going to get it up on the. Uh, on the old computer, they have so far raised uh, eleven million 
935,110 yen. Uh, it's basically like a Patreon, GoFundMe, whatever. Different perks, uh, depending on what you get. Uh, it is not... I have seen uh, people outside Japan try to buy tickets, or buy, buy uh, perks, or contribute, and they are not able to. So this is only for Japanese at this point. Uh, there is no way for foreigners to contribute uh, to this, unfortunately, right now. And also, it's funny, they have, like, separate contributions. Canada, 11 million yen, by the way, equals 102,860 U.S. dollars. I think they're trying to, uh, it says here that their goal is 50 million yen. I, I, I think that's what it says right here, right above that, uh, which I think comes out to 6 or 7 million, maybe, I believe. Um, just, but just quickly, there are, there are separate tiers for regular people, and then there's, there's, uh, tiers for corporations, like, you get an advertisement, you get to advertise your thing in a, in a Ryzen video, get the, your thing on the ring, uh, for people, you can, you can actually get, like, a dinner with Sakaki Bara, um, you can, or you can have a sponsor for the English language portion of the show, mm-hmm. Which, oh, by the way, 500 million yen translates to 4.675 million U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they are offering a lot of perks. Unfortunately, right now, nothing available for us uh, foreigners. But this is a question I have for you, Christian. Uh, does So do you think them crowdfunding hurts uh, majorly? Now, they've, they crowdfunded, I think, some other shows, but it, wasn't too, but it didn't gain such traction. Um, do you think that that this hurts Ryzen's, I guess, brand? Does this kind of make them look? Does it look Wait. make them look look make them look uh, small time? When you're saying that we that you know, despite the size of our organization, we have a Fuji TV deal, all that stuff. We need we need financial help from the fans to uh, to put on shows. And I hear that even if they don't, I think I think the shows are going on regardless whether they make the funny or not. It's just stuff to help um, with putting on the shows. Did this, I mean, here's the thing. If USC put on, said that, that they needed to crowdfund their, their Fight Island, like, that would be embarrassing. That would be embarrassing. Especially, especially for Dana White because he has to foothold the motherfucker. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, the, the, their company is, is technically in debt. I believe that, that Endeavor is in debt. Uh, that own the company that owns USC. So, uh, w- w- what do you think? Does this hurt Ryzen's uh, stature as a top Japanese MMA promotion? Does it make you look embarrassing to foreign fans, or is it just? What do you think? It's not an issue at all. I mean, you never want to have to be seen as begging for money because then it makes people feel bad for you and whatever it is you're working on, but I think in a way, when it comes to the crowdfunding aspect, they're trying to get people to care about them. They're trying to get, you know, the fans in Japan to realize, hey, we still exist. But over here in the States, if you're crowdfunding and you're trying to put things over, you know, with the help of the crowd, it basically shows that, hey, you're small time. Hey, you know, we need to try and feel sorry for you just to get over. And, hey, we can't really put you over like 
I mean, we can't really put you over like as a sign of, I mean, we can't put you over like you're in deep in the shitter, in the financial shitter, but, you know, we can try and give you as much interest as we can just for you guys to get by. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do think that it is small time for them to be doing that, but they're trying, you know? Oh, they're yeah. trying to get people interested in them. They definitely do need to open the crowdfunding up to to outside uh, outside Japan. They will get a lot more. Uh, they will get a lot more uh, funding and much more quicker if they do that. Uh, I think they'll make. They're at twenty three percent of their goal. I think they will actually make their goal. And some of the some of the things that like I seen people like contribute like like that much money. It's like amazing. But they definitely do need to. Uh, open up to to foreigners to make it much more smoother, and I, if they and it'll be much more faster to get to that goal. Um, it's uh, it, it it sucks that they have to crowdfund. I understand why, but those is you know if we want to go back to when they did the whole Mayweather uh, tension fight where they paid Mayweather nine million dollars to come to Japan and do what he did. You know I did say you know this is only successful if it works in the long term. And right now, it doesn't, you know, granted there was a pandemic, so there was extenuating circumstances, you know, then uh-huh. they couldn't put on shows. And one of the things that actually Sakaki Barra said uh, in the first press conference that, that was had that was had this week was that they didn't want to put on no show, uh, no fans uh, shows because they, it, the rising experience, it, of the rising fans are part of the experience. And I definitely do give them a lot of credit that they, that they chose to hold off. Um, you know, and to them, putting on arenas, I mean, putting on fights in empty arenas fucking sucks. Oh, yeah, That's we, according to them. We, we've, uh, yeah, so, you know, we, we've seen uh, uh, what the empty arena shows have done for WWE, AEW, uh, New Japan. Uh, all Impact th- Wrestling. Impact Wrestling. You know, some can do it, but most cannot. It is so hard. It's kind of like, it's like watching the Big Bang Theory without a laugh track. You realize how bad it is without the people... Or, like, watching a really good sitcom, like The Game, for instance. I don't know if you were big on that show when it aired on CW. Absolutely not. But it was like, it was like watching that particular show but not hearing a laugh track go off. They were just trying to force themselves to be funny when it was really just dramatic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do commend Sakaki, you know, and also you know the waiting also makes I think it made it more exciting for the announcements when they happen. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of like a a long awaited return, uh, for something that you're excited for. You know, rather than you know just the mundane regular regular uh, expectation of of Ryzen just having their show. So you know. I think it definitely gave a lot more. There was definitely a lot more buzz when Ryzen uh, announced those fights because you know by not putting on shows, they made people really hungry. I think they will sell those shows out. By the way, uh, uh, they're going to be running uh, five thousand, I think maximum half the uh, mm-hmm. capacity of. Uh, yeah, because this new arena, the Pia Arena MM, is a ten thousand seat. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's definitely gonna be running at half capacity. I think they'll definitely sell it out. They'll, I, I think they'll definitely sell it. Out. I don't know if tickets have been put on sale yet, um, 
But if they have, I definitely know that at least that they have to be going, you know, uh, hopefully. Uh, that's uh, at least for the uh, the Rise of 23 show, especially with that big title match. Um, the other thing we have to talk about was that we got a long-awaited, well, not return, but a confirmation that one of the Ryzen favorites, lightweight Grand Prix champion Tofik Musayev, has not defected from Ryzen. There was much speculation about Tofik's future with Ryzen, uh, thanks to an article that was uh, written in, uh, in an Azerbaijani uh, uh, publication, which interviewed his coach, not his manager, not his, uh, not him himself, but his coach. His co- his coach made allegations that Ryzen had not paid him his white lightweight Grand Prix prize money. So basically, the money that you know, he got that big little goofy looking check after winning the tournament, he was supposed to get that money uh, sent to him. He had been paid his show money, his show up money. But he never got his win money, apparently, uh, according to his coach. He also said that, that they were fielding offers from one and UFC. But UFC, apparently, apparently they, he said that one was offering a lot of money. didn't say how much. But he said UFC offered 12000 to show and 12000 to win. Now, apparently... The coach said that he made, that Mosayev made six figures fighting in Ryzen when he won uh, that tournament, the Lightweight Grand Prix. And a few, uh, this, you know, this was the most news that Ryzen had actually gotten uh, for quite some time. And Ryzen hasn't said anything, didn't say anything, up until the press conference where Sakaki Bar did confirm that Musayev was paid late. Uh, but Tofik said uh, that recently there have been increased uh, rumors regarding me and my future of Ryzen, majority of which are exaggerated. I received all the amount and hope for, the further cooper- and hope for further cooperation. Hope to get back to my second home, uh, championship flag. Um, oh, by the way, this was this uh, article. Uh, let me see if I can uh, get the... Uh, it was a really great article. Actually, I, I really like... You have to use Google Translate because it's written in, uh, I believe, Russian. Uh, but it was, uh, it was a, it's from onenews.az, and it's a really a great article. It really shows, you know, I think that people like the the joke that you can only make money in UFC, maybe Bellator, but with what the uh, what his what his uh, coach said, uh, he said that. Uh, I want to get that exact amount because when I saw that amount, it was uh, like he said that Ryzen paid three times as much than what the UFC was offering them. Uh, his coach said that. Let me see if I if he gave the exact number because I thought he gave the exact number in here. Um, do 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 do. Uh, I thought he gave the exact number. Maybe not, but regardless. His coach is saying, his coach said uh, that he was, that that basically Ryzen paid three times as much as what the UFC was offering. So, that's a, that's actually like really great that we know that Ryzen pays our guys uh, very well. Um, and, uh, you know, Johnny Case also addressed this by saying, 
by suggesting that if he wasn't paid that money, that he may have failed a drug test because apparently it's in their contracts that if they fail a drug test, they can hold back they hold back that purse. Uh, so there was then speculation: oh, maybe did he uh, fail their the, the the drug test? Um, but obviously he got his money, so probably that didn't happen. Uh, I mean, it's also entirely possible maybe he did, but Ryzen, just due to public pressure, decided to uh, give in. I don't know. But you know, they're definitely you know, it seems like things between Ryzen and Topic are good. He gave a he gave a uh, speech at the uh, well a a pre recorded video at the press conference. Looked like he had just like finished training. He looked exhausted, he looked sweaty, uh, uh speaking in Russian and he said that uh, he would be coming back to uh, Japan. And Sakaki Bar said that they're looking to have him back in September when hopefully things are a little bit uh, open up in Japan. But uh Christian, I wanna get your thoughts on this whole Tofik Ryzen pay issue. Uh, what were your thoughts at the time, and do you think that people kind of jumped the gun a little bit, thinking that Ryzen was trying to pull, uh, trying to stiff him uh, of his pay? Well, considering the fact that you already have, like, seven or eight fighters that have fought in Ryzen, two of them, I mean, two of them being former champions for the promotion, one of them being a champion elsewhere. mentioned in this time period in this time period where you know where a lot of fighters don't have a lot of options due to travel restrictions just not in japan just like everywhere but go on i just want to also put that uh context behind yeah but it gives you if you see all your fighters getting big deals elsewhere when you have a damn rebuilding project you know that's basically trying to gain a foothold you know, if you see all your fighters going elsewhere, making names off themselves like Jarzine Holson Strike did, or is doing in the UFC heavyweight division, chances are you're going to realize that you let good things slip away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I'm actually happy that Kofi, you know, that this was resolved. I don't know, it sounded like maybe, it may be, you know, that Ryzen was paid late. Uh, I know that Johnny Case and Jake Hewn have gone on record saying that that they've never had issues with paying Ryzen. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's easier to transfer money to somebody in the U.S. or Australia in the case of Hewn than in Azerbaijan. Who knows? If, if you know what what issues came up? I don't believe that it was anything nefarious on Ryzen's part. We've we've heard no. I've heard no history of um of of Ryzen uh stiffing people of pay or pulling any sort of underhanded tactics like that. Um, it, it would, well, hey, if you, you know, if they ended up 
stiffing people out of pay, they'd be no different than that bullshit promotion out of Korea known as Battlefield FC. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> they did that shit twice. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I've heard, I've heard no issues of that. Um, they, yeah, so it's now, it sounds like perhaps, uh, that it was maybe a case, yeah, they were paying, they paid late, maybe they didn't have the money, maybe they had to raise the funds, um, especially post-pandemic, who knows, but in the end, Tofik got his money, Tofik looks to be staying at Ryzen, luckily, uh, so we haven't lost all the top foreigners, uh, and, uh, He's not the champion. He's not lightweight champion. He's Grand Prix champion, right? They never really established that. He's lightweight Grand Prix champion. Gotcha. And we're still on all waiting with bated breath to see if, you know, the next fight he'll be in will be to crown the first ever lightweight world champion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'm happy that Tofik is, is, is still with Ryzen. Uh, we'll talk about this briefly. Because it's talk I really don't want to talk about, but we, uh, I'm gonna leave this all for you, Christian. Mayweather mentioned that he's that he went to Tokyo or that he was going to Tokyo to talk with Ryzen. What the fuck do you think he's? What do you think he's on about? I have no idea. That's my honest answer. So I'm gonna leave it all up to you. I think when it comes down to Floyd Mayweather. Aside from the fact that, oh, by the way, he had a basketball team in the annual basketball tournament that aired on ESPN and coughed up a 14-point lead in the final minute, in the final four minutes of their game against a team from Marshall University <laughs> in this million-dollar tournament yesterday as of recording, July 9th. I think when it comes down to Mayweather... When it comes down to what he wants to do with Ryzen, because, of course, the last time he was in the promotion, he made a grand spectacle about coming in and fighting. No, and actually, not only coming in, canceling the fight, then making the fight go on, and then taking forever to get out of his hotel room after being in the air when the Yaranoka card was still going on. I mean, I find that shit crazy. Because do we really, I mean, on one hand, do we really want to go through the torture of seeing him waste time trying to, you know, make everybody think that he was serious about doing this when really it's just all for show and not for play? Well, actually, it's all show and no go, pretty much. Okay, well, here's the second. Mm -hmm. When it comes down to coming into Ryzen again, it'll only be him wanting to fight. Yeah, we'll see the Mayweather Promotions banner on the main, on the ring mat. We'll see the Mayweather Promotions itch all over the building. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be him wanting to fight. You're not going to have Andrew Tabidi, who's his top cruiserweight. You're not going to have Javante Davis who's his top boxer at 130 pounds, you're just going to get Mayweather and the grand spectacle of things wanting to come in and fight again. Mm. I mean, because a lot of people will say that, you know, he's broke, but he's really doing all he can to make Ryzen feel rich, even if it's 
at a desperate scale. So let's talk about a little bit about the speculation. The, the, the number one thing I've seen people have been pointing to is, and Mikuru Atakura uh, did say he wanted to fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. That's what people are suspecting. What do you think? Mikuru Azakura versus Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. Exhibition, whatever. Does it happen? Do you think? Maybe for a New Year's Eve show? Provided pandemic is over and all that stuff. Well, who knows when the hell this pandemic ends, first of all. I mean, for certain parts of the world, other than here in North America, it probably will already be over with. And they'll just be getting ready to get back on the terms of getting things back to normal. But as far as as far as Mika Rosakura is concerned, we really need to sit the fuck down because if Tenshin Nasakawa proved that he wasn't ready to take on Floyd Mayweather, even though obviously he had most of his tools stripped from him, he couldn't do the usual kickboxing things in a boxing belt, otherwise he would have gotten disqualified in that three-round exhibition, Mikuru Asakura would probably feel like just another fucking sparring partner. Because if he were to step in that ring against Floyd Mayweather, despite the fact that Floyd Mayweather now has more decision victories than he does knockouts, I mean, still... The dude will still starch Asakula worse than what Tension Asakawa had to go through. Mm. So, in my humble opinion, in my humble opinion, I think that me, Asakula, need to just sit the fuck down and wait for whatever rising hands him. If it's the Mayweather fight, then yeah, you better be prepared to learn how to do some. Damn good striking skills and learn how to translate those striking skills into boxing skills. But if it's not Mayweather and if they give him a quality opponent that he should be happy with, the best thing he should do is shut the fuck up and take the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of tension, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Rise. Uh, they are having a Rise return show. This weekend, actually uh, airing Sunday, January, it's January, July 12th, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. July 12th at 5 a.m. Eastern, but unfortunately, it's going to be shown through a VPN required stream on a Beamer. Mm-hmm. You do have some former uh, Ryzen fighters in there besides Tension, like you have uh, his, his uh, training partner, Taiju Shiratori, also from uh, Team Teppan, Hiroto Yamaguchi. <laughs> Uh, Kento Haraguchi, and I think that's all, uh, Kam Nakamura as well, um, uh, who also had, uh, fought in Rise and Kickboxing 4, but, um, I think the main thing to talk about this is, uh, being part of the fact that it's not gonna be available outside Japan, which sucks, because it looks like a good card on paper, but nonetheless, Tenshin Nasukawa is fighting once again, uh, he's taking on Yuki Kasahara, who is from the Cesar Gym, and is 19 years old. Which of course, if you know anything about Cesar, especially in the Japanese fight lore, that's Seiza Takeshi. I mean, that's Cesar Takeshi, the godfather of shootboxing. Yeah, so as you said, Christian, he is a godfather of shootboxing, and that is 
who Yuki Kasahara is. He is a shoot boxer, and actually, I think he's one of the few guys in Tension's, I guess, post or post rise of career who's younger than him. Because remember, we always say about how oh, how Tension is still young. Tension is so young. Kasahara is nineteen years old, also much taller than Tension. Tension is about five foot five, five foot six, five foot four. It says here on uh on his attack. Five, five. Yeah, five five. But Kasahara is 5'10". That's long and lanky for a flyweight. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, he, and if you think about it, and I've seen this on Reddit, talking about the fight, but his opponent's record is 15-1. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I believe that is only shootboxing, not... I don't think that includes everything. I think that's only shootboxing. And mind you, this is a kickboxing match. Now, here's the thing that I'm going to talk about. Um, last time, I heard, oh, this is going to be Tension's toughest fights. Was the Ryzen 20, Nasakawa, Rui Bata kickboxing match. Remember the discourse. Everybody said, Rui Bata is his toughest opponent. This is going to be Tension's toughest test. Boom. Tornado kick knockout in the second. I'm hearing the same. And they said the same thing about him fighting against Kyoji Horiguchi prior to the Mayweather. Yeah, and now the same same thing is happening with Kasahara. I'm seeing he is going to be Tension's toughest fight, and I'm going to disagree with everybody. Tension's toughest fights. Well, we'll say two. I'll say Ratang, and I'll say Mayweather. I don't think that Kasahara is going to be even near the top of Tension's toughest opponents. I think that Tension, this is going to be another easy win for Tension. And uh, Sakaki Bar also said that depending on the outcome of the, uh, and also injuries of this fight, Tension will fight uh, down the line in Ryzen, probably in September. Uh, so, I mean, I think that Ryze is seeing this as a tune-up fight for him, uh, as well as Ryzen. They're seeing a guy who's coming in from a different discipline, uh-huh. boxing, coming into kickboxing. And I think that they this is look looking like a another easy one for tension. What do you think? I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I would say so. But there's a saying that always resonates when it comes down to situations like these. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. And when it comes down to this, yeah, we said Rui Bata was his toughest opponent. We said Kyoji Horiguchi was his toughest opponent. Hell, the same could have been really said for Rob Tong Jinkwang, though. He's currently a big champion and a star in 1FC because that was the guy who took him to the limit aside from Mayweather knocking him out. But still... One of the matter is, we've all seen what <clears throat> Tetsu Nasakawa has done. He's 36-0 as a professional kickboxer. 40-0 if, if you count his four MMA bouts for his combined combat sports record. But his opponent is 15-1 going into this fight. I don't know if that's all in shoot boxing or if it's shoot and kickboxing. Because those records seem to blend well together. But... Still, when it comes down to 
Nasukawa. Even though nobody's going to be seeing this fight outside of Japan, I hope that he doesn't get too cocky. I hope that he comes in as focused as he can and he takes this fight seriously. Because if he doesn't, you know, we're going to see a monumental upset and a guy who's taller than him, who's younger than him, take advantage of him like they would have never thought he could have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think this is just another easy win for tension. Another, another victim for the ninja kid. Uh, this is not to say that Yuki Kasahara is a bad fighter, but he's going up against possibly the best kickboxer in the world, least of all, probably Japan. So, we, this is... Well, I mean, obviously, he is the best in his weight class in the world. And since glory is on the decline right now, and one of ain't doing well aside from, you know, putting over Rontong, you know, Tension really is the consensus best kickboxer in his weight class in the world. Mm-hmm. So and technically, he, technically he, you know, he went overtime, but he def- did defeat Rotang, and I know that there's, there was arguments that people thought that Rotang won uh, over Tension, but, well, if you weren't going to go by records, he has defeated Rotang, and you know they should have a rematch at some point. But Rotang's with one uh, right now, so that won't happen for the foreseeable future. But uh, unless tension shocks the world and joins One FC, I think that's unlikely. I think that's very unlikely. I think it'll be regressive for him uh, as a fighter. It's clear that he wants something bigger. That Mayweather fight changed him a lot. I think he is going to soon make his his way to America. To try his hand, perhaps, and 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 orthodox traditional boxing. I think I really do believe that. I don't think he's gonna go to MMA. I really don't. I I think the MMA. I think that the the MMA. I don't want to say that training now is a little bit too late, but I think there's, you know, I think I think he's gonna stick with boxing. That's my that's my personal belief. I think I think he I think he can be a Big fish in a small pond when it comes to when it comes to boxing. Uh, he can definitely you know uh, weed off uh, from the from the Mayweather match that he had and all the highlight reel knockouts that he's had. I think that's something very much that uh, that that he can be uh, a guy a, a successful at. I think you know maybe even uh, now Nadia Inoue level um, when it comes to. Uh, traditional boxing in his weight class. I know that usually a lot of people in his weight class though don't get a lot of notoriety, but uh, I think he can be the exception uh, if he tries to make it in America. I really do. Um, speak, speak I'm of, sure that would mean his MMA career would be put on a complete pause because he... Yeah, I, I really don't... I don't think he has any interest in MMA at this point. And I've seen there's been no indication that he's training MMA... There's no indication that he has, that he's that he's learning any grappling or anything. Uh, if he was, you probably would he would be doing that along with his kickboxing. But all he does is just the the box, the kickboxing, the boxing. So I don't think that there's, I really don't think he's a, uh, it's interesting to him at all. I really don't. Or he, it's, it's something that he's thinking about. I really don't think so. I really, I, I see. I really don't think so. Um, just to continue on the kickboxing fight, we this is a request. From Trashy, which I gotta remember which 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 Trashy this is. I think it was Trashy Cole fan. 
Um, doo -doo -doo. Are you sure it's not Trashy Drake fan? Yeah, sorry, Trashy Drake fan. I'm sorry, we got, there's so many, I get my trashies uh, mixed up. Sorry about that, guys. But uh, he wants us to talk about the Crush uh, 114 show this weekend, particularly just one match, the main event title match, uh, 65-kilogram championship match between Daizo Sasaki and Kensei Kondo. Uh, Sasaki is a champion uh, defending the title against Kondo. Uh, this is a big match. Uh, for that weight division uh, for this show. Um, so um, I know that we don't usually cover K1. We covered the, the last big show that they had uh, earlier this year. And you know we haven't really paid attention to Crush that much. But uh, uh, do you have any thoughts on this uh, on this featherweight clash? Uh, Christian, I'm just going to give you some brief, uh, some brief background on, on these two. Uh, Suzaki is 29. Uh, five foot eight trains out of the K one Jinsagami Ono crest, so he is a K one guy through and through. And uh, Kenze Kenze Sasaki, uh, Sasaki, excuse me, Kondo, twenty one, so much younger, uh, same height, five foot eight, uh, trains out of Taisei Hall, Tai Hall, uh, and he's from Osaka. I forgot to also say that Sasaki is from Mishida, Japan. Um, so, uh. And these two were supposed to apparently have a fight earlier, uh, uh, June 28th, but it was canceled. Uh, it says here it was canceled prior to the event. I'm guessing probably COVID had something to do with that, perhaps. Oh, wait, no. Oh, no, they, 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 ran, they ran a show. This was for Crush 113. Um, well, they have a lot of fights that were canceled, so who knows why it was canceled. But uh, nonetheless, this fight was supposed to happen back in June, but it's happening uh, this weekend. Uh, so quickly, I want to get your thoughts on uh, on these two. What do you think, Suzaki versus Kondo? Uh, does Suzaki retain, or do we have a new uh, champion at 140, uh, 145, 65 uh, kilograms in uh, Kondo? Well, considering the fact that I don't know much about the current K one aside from. Aside from Isaki Kato and Joy Bikuri being there, obviously I don't know much about the current K1, but, you know, when it comes down to this title fight, I can't expect nothing less but a good scrap, you know? And who's the champion right now? Oh, sorry, uh, Daiso Suzaki is the champion. Oh, well, I think if Daiso Suzaki, you know, doesn't take this fight too lightly. I think if Daiso doesn't take this fight too lightly, I think he might have a better chance of winning. That's all I'll say about that because, again, I don't know much about the current K1 aside from, you know, Isaki Kato and Jordan Pakura, but I haven't been really watching enough of the current K1 to actually have an interest in that particular fight. I'm sorry, fans. <laughs> so, Trashy Drake fan, you're going to hate us. You may, may you probably won't follow us and never listen to us again. Or, But, uh, unfortunately, we are not on the condo uh, side. Uh, we, are, we are both picking Daiso Sasaki. I am picking Daiso Sasaki as well to retain in this fight. Um, I don't think it will be a knockout. I think this will be a... This will go the full way, but I think that Suzaki in the end will will retain that 65 kilogram championship. It'll be a tough fight between the two. 
Uh, and I'm sure Kondo will bring it, but I think that Sasaki is going to take it. I think he's just going to just gonna be more... He's going to have that, that championship uh, hunger to keep that belt. He's going to have the... Uh, Gonna have more experience, uh, you know. Um, I guess more weathered, if you want to put it that way. Um, I think uh, uh, that's just that's what's gonna come down to. Uh, he's had uh, he's on a three fight win streak. Uh, uh, con uh, sorry, Sasaki is, and um, it's this is not to say that Kondo is a bad fighter. This is just to mainly say that I think that Kondo, uh, maybe, maybe now won't be champion. If ever something happens to Suzaki down the line, maybe he'll vacate, retire, or something. I think he'll be. I think he'll he'll be a champion down the line. Not now though. Sorry, trashy Drake fan. I know you're gonna hate us. Uh, let's move on to a. Not a Rise MMA fight, but we having two Rise and Fighters, Christian, that happened this past week in Invicta. Alicia Halfpint Zabatella taking on the damsel, Lindsay Van Zandt. Two of the top super atomweights, or atomweights, uh, outside Ryzen in the world. Uh, finally got the clash, and what I originally thought was for the vacant atomweight championship, which Jin Yu Frey uh, vacated after uh, signing up the UFC. Uh, and then uh, promptly losing to Kay Hansen in her uh, in both her debuts, I should say. But yeah, this was a a very important super ad or I keep on super atom weights are in rise and atom weights are outside rise. This atom weight clash in Invicta it was a co-main event of the show, and I it was a fight that I was really looking forward to. Uh, now I didn't give my thoughts publicly, but I thought that Lindsay Van Zandt was gonna win uh, this fight. I just thought she was a better fighter overall. What did you think of this fight overall, Christian? And I uh, also want to talk about the decision because it was a split decision win for Alicia Zavatella. Um, I, I didn't have any dog in the fight. I just thought that this is a fight between two Ryzen alums looking to beat the living hell out of each other. And they did for three rounds. <laughs> it's just that the decision when it came down to when it came down to the decision which was a split decision verdict for Alicia Zapatella, which improves her record to 6-2 and two overall, and Van Zandt drops to 7-4, well, actually improves her record to 6-3, Van Zandt drops to 7-4. It could have really gone either way, especially when it came down to, if I'm not mistaken, Well, they were just basically trading blow for blow, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, we saw Zabatella depend on her wrestling uh, a lot for that for this fight, and to hold Lindsay down so that she couldn't and put her in a position where she couldn't work off her back or anything like that. Now, like I said, this was a split decision win for Zabatella. Zabatella looked very surprised when they said it was a split decision. I think that Lindsay may have won. Well, one judge obviously saw it in her uh, to win, uh, gave it to Lindsay. Uh, I think because he judged it because it definitely seemed that Lindsay won on the feet. She got some nice shots in on Zabatella. I and I think probably had more significant strikes uh, overall. Mm -hmm. But this give her. I don't know. It's, the problem was is that 
she wasn't winning enough on the feet where I thought, okay, I would have give her the win for this. I thought it was a unanimous position for, for Zabatella. I don't think that Lindsay did a lot to earn a victory, uh, even from one judge on the feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of think of it, when it came down to the full fight from your perspective, who did you, I mean, did you really think that Van Zandt would have done enough to win the fight if she had, you know, turned herself loose? I think so. I, I you know, the, the, the whole thing we, that, that was talked about was this, uh, was the uh, score, you know, uh, Invicta does open scoring now. So you know what the judges are in between round, are, are, are doing in between rounds or are, are scoring. And I think uh-huh. if you're not thinking by a second round, I think you sometimes have to just think, throw everything, throw everything, throw haymakers. So just throw down. If you're losing, if you're down two rounds, it's best to try to just get a lucky punch in than to just play it safe. And again, I think that, you know, I also think that Lindsay was also, she seemed to be pretty exhausted as well. Uh, during you know being held down, trying to get up from that uh, from uh, from being held down by Zabatella, I think that uh, that that we the Lindsay Van that we saw that beat Reyna uh, at the Bellator show at their at the New York Bellator show last year, uh, and also yeah at, MSG. yeah at MSG, and also the Lindsay Van that we've seen in other fights as well. That was not the same Lindsay Van that we saw. We saw. Um, I w- this I don't know. She seemed really off her game. I'm not so sure what it was. Maybe a lack of training. She is from New York, so maybe she wasn't able to train as hard uh, as opposed to Zabatella, who's um, she's from Michigan, I believe, right? Or Ohio? Um, yeah. I mean, originally from Coney Ohio, but fighting out of uh, Scorpion Fight and System, that's what- Michigan, USA. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, um, she uh uh. Also, not to mention, when she had a Ryzen fight, remember, uh, you thought that she won that fight as well against Khan Azakura. I remember we had a big debate about that, whether that, uh, who won that fight, so, um... Yeah, no shit. It, it, you know, Zabatella seems to have, uh, have an interesting... She's, she's a great fighter, you know, I definitely hope that Ryzen brings her back, um, for their atomweight division. Uh, the question, though, for Invicta is, what do you do with that Amway championship? I think uh, uh, I've heard that, you know, you, obviously you got to include Alicia Zabatella in that, but uh, briefly, question, who would you put against Alicia Zabatella for that vacant Amway championship? Um, it's a very, in a weird position because uh, the last person that Jin Yu Frey defended against and beat uh, before she went to USC was Ashley Cummins. Uh, so... Uh-huh. But uh, Ashley Cummins has she already fought for the title uh, for that fight. Um, do you give her another chance? Mina Grusander from Finland fought uh, for the title twice against Frey, lost both times. So the oh, you mean the two-time IMMAF world champion? So you got two people who you got two people who already fought for the title. Um, what do you do in that case? Um, now, we know, we also recently talked to Jill DeCourcy, um, uh, the Lionheart from Long Island. Now, she fought Alicia Zabatella two years ago on four weeks, uh, maybe even short, on very short notice, and uh, lost that fight. 
but is now on a two-fight win streak with one fight uh, in Invicta, uh, one win in Invicta back in February. Can you maybe do a rematch between Zabatella and Join the Corsi for that vacant Adam Way title? I mean, you could, but if they end up fighting and, you know, let's just say if the winner gets sucked up to the UFC automatically, what does that solve? Well, I don't see that. Well, luckily, the, I mean, the, right now there is no. Adam Weight Division UFC. Uh, Jin Yu Fei actually went up uh, to strawweight uh, for her. Yes, did obviously Michelle Robinson before her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so did and so did also the new newest signee uh, Kanako Murata. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, she already won. At, I mean, she's already the current well now former Invicta Strawweight Champion, and of course, as I mentioned, it really hurts Ryzen to the core to see one of the stars that they helped create go over to the UFC to make a name, to either make a name for them, make a name for themselves, which of course, Morata was supposed to face off against Sean Wellay at Rising 9 back in 2017 or 18, I'm not sure, but still, Morata was supposed to face off against Sean Wellay. I guess the only reason why she's in the UFC other than to win a few fights is to make sure that match gets finalized. But if you see the UFC suck up another Ryzen alum who just so happens to fight an Invicta, then what the hell would that mission be for when it comes down to the Ryzen Fighting Federation looking to, you know, continue to build upon... Their talent. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I, it's it's a uh, Invicta seems to be in a very tough position as well uh, for this um, for this uh, Adam Way title, uh, especially when you have two two people who already fought for a title. I, albeit you know two different uh, the the uh, former champion uh, Frey, but the you know I mean I think it's I I, I think regardless though I I think that. It will be. I'm hoping that that that, that it is it, it does become uh, Zabatella versus DeCorsi. I think that is a there's a more interesting fight to make, especially because they have history, and especially because you can it's a, it's a rematch. Rematches are always interesting, and since it wouldn't be on weeks notice like this, uh, like their first fight was, I think it would be a a much a, a much more compelling fight as well. Um, a win. An, an Invicta Adam Weight Championship win, no doubt Ryzen will be paying attention to try to bring over that winner over. I think uh, to uh, to fight in their uh, to continue fighting or have a uh, a first fight in the case of joining the Corsi uh, for the um, uh, for their for their Adam Weight division, which is uh, I think uh, the best one of the best divisions in uh, MMA right now. Um, so, but there's another fight that's happening this week, Christian, and we got to talk a little bit about it before we get onto our last topic after, uh, we are going to be talking about right now, finally debuting for USC, former Ryzen light heavyweight champion. For, uh, Not for, to mention the first and possibly only Ryzen light heavyweight champion, yeah. Jerry Prohaska, no, Jerry Denisha Prohaska. Who is near undefeated, 
I would say what twenty seven and two. Yeah, well, what is this? What is win streak? Like fifteen? Isn't he on like a fifteen, I mean, fifteen fight winning streak? Yep. And obviously, the winningest foreigner in rising fighting federation history, as he'll take on former UFC light heavyweight title challenger Volkan No Time Ostemir. And between them, these two men. Now combined for what about forty fights, forty five fights, and most of their wins are being finished. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, question. So who do you think? Do you does Volkan continue on his winning streak uh, in UFC, or do you think that Jiri, uh, who by the way this will be on the prelims uh, for uh, UFC two fifty one, uh, Usman versus Mafidal now? Uh, this weekend. So, uh, what do you think? Does Jerry continue his, uh, by the way, it was not at 15, but it feels like 15, 10 fight win streak, making it to 11, getting, you know, a big win in USC, or does Volkan Ozdemir demolish Jerry in his first time in the USC? Ain't no fucking way Volkan's going to demolish Jerry because if you think about it, this is the type of fights that these are the types of fights that we wanted to see, you know, from rising alums going into the octagon. And Jerry wanted as well. Jerry wanted, he wanted top competition. And Ryzen's like, here's TV <laughs> Dalway. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. And still, when it comes down to this particular fight, I can't expect nothing less but a fucking firefight happened. I can't spend nothing left with these two men just beating the holy high hell out of each other. And as far as, as far as this fight goes, I think the jury's gonna win this. No disrespect to all the Volcon stands and all the Zupa zombies, but I think that Jury is gonna make his name on the UFC and win this fight within the first two rounds by Looking to knock Volkan's head off. Do you think he finishes? Do you think he finishes Volkan? What? Do you think he finishes Volkan? Does he continue that 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 massive win streak of finish of finishing all but one of his fights? Yes, I do. I really do think that it's gonna lead to him. Taking a win, I mean, getting a win over one of the UFC's top European fighters, and you know, setting himself up for a I mean, because of course, when it comes down to winning fights in the UFC, you have three or at least four more to try and get a nice little opportunity at the top ten, at least the top five. But I think with Volkan Olsen. I mean, I think with the UFC lightweight division and the way that it's in now with John Jones now thinking about what the hell to do and the title possibly being vacant, you know, John Jones t takes off a little bit. I think that if, if he plays his cards right, if he doesn't get cocky, I think that Jerry Prohaska is going to steamroll through Ostemir. I hope so, too. That's what I think. I, I hope we see. I hope we see the same jury that we've seen in, in Ryzen, the, the just this this monster of a light heavyweight, you know. And I hope I hope that you, that 
he wins. If he loses, this it will probably be the most disappointing loss I think for a fighter I've ever felt for. You know, because I'm really on the I'm I've been on the jury train since open weight, man. Since those open weight fights that he had, and I, I this guy he is something else. I believe he is a future light heavyweight, uh, top three in UFC. I truly do believe that. I think I see a guy who's who is so good. And now he gets to take on. He's wanted this tough competition. He's he's asked for this tough competition before. Now he has the option. He has that opportunity. He has, you know, future fights could be against Thiago Santos, uh, Anthony uh, Smith, or uh, Grover Teixeira. Maybe John Jones. Who the fuck knows about John Jones? Uh, so uh, yeah. you know what? If John Jones looks at. A year he probably he'll probably be scared shitless. Yeah, we we we've seen what he can do in Rising Ring. We have seen what he could do outside of Rising Ring when he was uh, doing shit in Russia and the Czech Republic and like. No, actually, when he was fighting in his own country, the Czech Republic. Oh, I forgot. I I, I was thinking that he he didn't do anything for ACB or uh, any Russian. No, he didn't do anything for ACB. Front for. I think Generation Championship Fighting or something. I don't know what the full name of the promotion was. The initials were GCF. Gotcha. But he, were the, he was demolishing guys left and right there as well before going into Rising. Exactly. And making a name And he's avenged his, 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 his most recent loss, which was the King Mo back in the Open Way tournament. He avenged that. Uh, uh, yeah, that. and he hasn't lost in almost five years. Exactly. No. So this guy is... Yeah, he's one. He's one of the guys. I'm actually, truthfully, I'm you know, I'm surprised that UFC never signed him before Ryzen. You kind of just, uh, you know, but I just hope this isn't a, a thing where Ryzen becomes a, a a feeder promotion. I know it's gonna be a lot harder now with travel bans, but I'm hoping after this is all done, I hope that this that this, that UFC doesn't just look to you to Ryzen fighters as a, as just like you know, pick this guy, pick this guy. Um, I guess that also means that he won't be doing the uh, the commentary for the uh, Prague shows anymore. May- or maybe he will. Maybe when he's not uh, maybe when UFC starts doing shows in Prague again, maybe uh, he'll uh, maybe he'll uh, if he can't fight, he'll be doing the uh, uh, the uh, whatever. What 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 uh, what language do speak in Prague? Huh? What 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 language do they speak in Prague? I can't believe I don't know this. What language do they speak in Prague? Czech. Czech. They speak Czech, dude. Uh, yeah, so... C-E-C-H. So, yeah, maybe you could do the che- continue doing the Czech, um, translation, uh, commentary for the, um, for them when, uh, he's not fighting. But, um, yeah, Jury, we're cheering for you. We're looking forward to you fighting, man. Um, one of the last topics, though, is a very... It's a very sad topic we're going to talk about, Christian. We're only talking about it. It's not Ryzen-related. It's Ryzen-adjacent, uh, since it has to do with Fuji TV. Has to do with the recent unfortunate suicide of Hannah Kimura, pro wrestler from Stardom, and has also uh, wrestled in. Not at, to mention the daughter of pro wrestling legend Kyoko Kimura. As well as MMA fighter uh, Kyoko Kimura as well. Um, well, yeah, pro wrestler and MMA fighter, also the stepdaughter of former two division King of Pan Craze champion Isao Kobayashi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, she. Committed suicide, all because of what happened on this bullshit reality show known as Terrence House. That, you know, people made her see 
people seeing her to be a bully when all they were just trying to do, all the Fuji TV executives, parents, house were trying to do was make her feel like she was a bully. And I see a little thread about this from a Twitter user talking about what Kyoko Kimura had to do to talk to the Fuji TV executives. And I think it was from like a week or two ago about this. But still, when it comes down to this situation and how that shit could have been easily prevented, and when you look into the deep, dark details about how this all transpired, like, for example, how they basically wanted one of the members of the reality show, which was the guy that Hana ended up slapping. Again, his name is being withheld for this. I mean, for the purposes of my frustration and this podcast, but when he, but when she smacked the fucking cap off the guy's head, I mean, they basically, the producers basically wanted the dude to fill up Hana Kimura's shirt or, you know, they were saying, hey, Jumping on a trampoline is boring. Why don't you do something interesting? They were basically making them, you know, trying to feel a little more sexualized, so to speak, just for the cameras. And they basically set up the fucking incident with the shrinking of Hana's Wrestle Kingdom 14 ring gear. And, of course, that led to the unfortunate incident where kind of slapped the dude's cap off and then the entirety of that stupid ass fan base basically said hey you know why don't you just disappear you're nothing more but a gorilla and this that and the third because of course they were mocking both Hana and Kimoko Hana and Kyoko's mixed race heritage half Japanese half Singaporean but it's just that, especially when it came down to Kimura, Hana Kimura, telling her mother Kyoko that they were basically, I mean, the producers were making her do this. Like, she didn't have a choice. If she didn't do it, she would have been kicked off the show. And they still had the fucking mind to, they still had the fucking sick mind to air that shit on their, not just on their airwaves, mind you. But this show was streamed out to the world via Netflix through Fuji TV International. And I'm sorry for sending it to you privately just now, but still, man, all I gotta say is, you know, if you gonna take advantage of somebody that doesn't even have the wherewithal to squash an innocent fly, let alone be a respectful, kind, generous human being. If you want to, I mean, if you go basically turn this general, kind, sweet human being into a, so much of a monster that she ends up ending her own life before she even begins her actual life and livelihood, because, of course, she was only 22. 
she had a hell of a lot going for her. Her mother was enjoying retirement. Now she's coming out and speaking out about this. Props to her. But for Fuji TV and for the producers of this reality show to basically tear this woman apart to the point where the only way she could free herself was to end it on, I have to say it. These people are nothing more but sick, vile, disrespectful monsters. And I hope that entire fucking show gets erased from global television history. I mean, I really hope that show faces the fucking demolition. I mean, faces the virtual demolition is because you can't fucking do this shit. You can't. You can't tear an innocent person's livelihood down just to pop a fucking rape. You can't tear a person's career down or their livelihood down just because you want likes and shares, which most of these reality shows are nothing more but clickbait to our fucking society. And it makes me want to turn the goddamn TV off whenever I see these one, I mean, whatever, I even see one second of this goddamn cringe fest. I mean, it's been that way ever since the fucking real world debuted on MTV in the early 90s. Maybe they should revert back to the original rules of the real world, where if you try and cause trouble, you're going to get blown the fuck off the show. I mean, obviously, that's not going to help. I mean, that wouldn't have helped matters now because of a life being lost here, but it's sad that in this day and age, and of course I'm of age, 27 years old, you're of age, probably in your early 30s, where we had to, I mean, where basically every single fucking thing we do nowadays is being caught on camera or being shown to the masses. Whereas back in the day, especially back in the 70s and 80s, all the way up to 1990, you know, you didn't have the luxury of going through that unless you were on cops getting arrested or just running buck-ass naked through the streets while high on PCP. But still, I mean, Fuji TV producers, especially for Terrence House, knew they were in the wrong when it came down to this. And I'm not trying to fault Fuji TV as a whole because they are a globally recognized brand they put on game shows all around the world and this reality show was more like a massive swing and a miss but still y'all gonna put content like this out in the open to the point where it causes a young woman who hadn't even had a life to live yet she was only 22 getting ready to enjoy the rest of her life and the rest of her professional wrestling career, if you're going to be responsible uh taking this young woman's life and all the fuck you got to say is my bad, you know, we're sorry for putting this out there, we're going to get rid of all operations and blah, 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 then you're just as guilty as the people and producers behind, I mean, as the people behind the show and the fans of the show that basically wish for this young woman to die. And I'm sorry for ranting like this, but if 
this is the way that Gucci TV, I mean, this is the way that the producers of shows for Gucci TV run things to make people want to hate these people. I mean, to make people want to hate these human beings instead of realizing that they are actually just human beings. Then I don't even want to see what the hell goes on behind the scenes when they try and put Ryzen on the air. Because if they if they do even half of the shit that goes on with the Terrence House set that goes on in Ryzen, I mean shit, I think you and I might want to take a flight down to Tokyo and give them I mean, I think you and I might want to scrap up a few grand. I mean scrap up a couple grand. Take a flight to Tokyo and give these motherfuckers a piece of our mind. Yeah. But unfortunately, we can't do that because then we'd be wanting fugitives by the FBI. Yeah. But still, point of the matter is that the terrorist house thing, and yeah, it was a thing that should have never went the way it went now. I mean, it was a thing that should have never went the way it ended up going, especially when it came down to this. But if, I mean, all I got to say is that Terrence House team deserves nothing more but to die out. No peace, just painfully die out. Because if they, if they basically let... I mean, if they basically would have let Hana Kimura just be herself and just told the cast members, hey, don't do any stupid shit. Just be upstanding citizens. Just be respectful human beings, even though in this society, in this day and age, the scum of the earth just continues to rise. But if they would have told these people on this show to just be respectful human beings, not you know, do stupid shit for the cameras, then Hana Kimura would have been living today. Hana Kimura would be thriving, getting ready to start another run and stardom, maybe think about wrestling for Ring of Honor a bit more. But still, Fuji TV know that they're in the wrong. And if they keep doing shit like this when it comes to this Terrence House shit, then I can't imagine Bryson being on their airwaves any longer. You know, that's all I gotta say. I'm just so fucking emotional and so fucking frustrated when it comes down to that because we're no younger or no older than this woman was when she died. I mean, obviously I'm five years older. You're about a decade older than her, but still... It's just sad this shit had to be like this because, you know, it could have been done a whole hell of a lot differently and maybe Hana would have still been living. Well, I have a question. Uh, and, uh, do you, uh, Kimura, Kyoko Kimura, her mother, seems to be going after Fuji TV specifically. Do you think, now, uh, should be noted, Ryzen does air on Fuji TV. That is, uh, that is where they air, you know, the, all the, uh, all the shows either on tape delay or after uh, after the pre uh, pre show live on, on Fuji TV, do you think that there will be any fallout from this, or do you think that this is just going you know that she's basically one woman versus a a corporation that's bigger than her, has more money than her, and that there will be no 
nothing of consequence that happens after this, and there'll be uh, Fuji TV has nothing to worry about that they're gonna get off scot free. Is there no doubt that it's gonna be the latter? But I won't be surprised if it is the former because if anything, Kyoko Kimono should be pissed because of this. Because you know that's I think if I'm not mistaken, her only child. And no parent wants to bury their child before they before they get buried by them. Um yeah, Kyoko Kimuna has every right to be pissed off, and Fuji TV is at fault for what they did. And I do think that when it comes down to this particular incident, if this, let's just say this, if this were to happen to an ABC, a CBS, an NBC, or a Fox, heads would fucking roll immediately. You know that because you're in the acting business. If a project happens where somebody gets seriously hurt and or killed, the whole fucking show goes down. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, usually. Um, uh, usually that tends to be what happens. Not all the time, but it does happen. It does happen. Um, usually shows are canceled. Uh, they are, they are uh, never brought back. If, they, if there's enough controversy, uh, that goes for fictional and reality. Um, so, uh, there is some sort, you know, but there has to be, uh, there has to be a, uh, an, an outpouring publicly. Um, if there's not an outpouring publicly, uh, producers, everybody don't give a shit. That's out. That's- yeah, but they don't give a shit that they end up being, I mean, they will end up giving a shit that they do end up getting... I mean, ain't that the truth? No, that is no, that is true. That is true. Um, I, we've never though. Uh, there's never been a situation where a reality show um, basically led to a fighter's death. Uh, or not? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say fighter, but just anybody's death um, in America. But uh, it is something I want to talk about because, like I said, Ryzen uh, is on Food TV. I don't know. I, there probably won't be any fallout um, for Food TV. Things will probably be business as usual, for better or for worse. I know it sucks that we had to end on a on such a sour note. But with all that being said, Christian, I'm going to I'm going to let you uh, do the uh, take care of the ending. You know what? I might as well, because that's the only fucking thing that'll give me a smile on my face right about now, other than what we talked about before this. And obviously, with Rising being back, might as well give them the first shout-out. If you want to check out what they have in store, feel free to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Federation. Their Twitter account, Ryzen underscore, no wait, actually, their Twitter account is still Ryzen underscore PR, Ryzen underscore English, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, Ryzen. Twitter accounts. Yes. 
Yeah, Twitter accounts rising underscore PR for the general consensus or rising underscore English for a more detailed more detailed version of what Ryzen is going through in the English language world. Check out their Instagram, Ryzen Fighting Federation. Check out their YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash Ryzen Fighting Federation. And as far as our show goes, I did mention our Twitter accounts at the beginning of the show. Follow us there at ChrisGary92, at Avenger1, at We Are Rising Pod. And don't forget, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but we are officially on any and every podcast platform known to man. Aside from YouTube and True where can the good people find us at? We are on, finally, I guess we could end off on a positive note, actually. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever it's called. I think it's called Apple Podcasts, so we'll call it that. It's called Apple Podcasts now. We're on Spotify. Mm-hmm. We're on SoundCloud, and mm-hmm. we are on Stitcher. So we have basically conquered all the major podcast distribution methods uh, for all well, except for Google Podcasts. I've been trying to search it, but I haven't found jack shit yet. Uh, nobody, I don't know anybody who uses Google Podcasts. I didn't even know that existed. That doesn't count. Ah, oh, you suck. Because I find my podcast through there all the time, damn it. <laughs> I mean, basically, what we want to try and do is get on tune, is get on the TuneIn Radio app, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcast. So if y'all can leave us a nice little friendly review on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and we'll give you love tenfold. I mean, I can't believe I actually said that, considering the fact that we're now officially an Apple podcast. But oh, and also, we have a official logo as well. We have our yes. own podcast credit logo. Credit to Yonsen Non for the new spanking new logo that we got. It actually looks pretty cool. If you want to give him a shout out. You know, if you want to have your logo looking fly and as sleek as ours, contact him on Twitter. He's on Twitter at underscore Y-O-D-S-A-N-N-A-N, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's correct. That's correct, Christian. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm getting that shit right. (laughs) 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 Oh, and by the way, if you want to check out more details on if... Horizon 22 or 23, which is going to take place from the PIA Arena. PIA Arena, MM, Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan, August 9th and 10th. Possibly at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific, which is possibly going to be the designated start time for these two shows in less than four weeks' time. Feel free to chime in to Fight TV on their respective platforms. Fight.tv, the Fight TV app. Fight TV on Facebook, facebook.com slash fight. YouTube.com slash fight. Twitter.com or at, at Fight TV on Twitter and at Fight TV on Instagram. And be sure to tell them, hey, 
we want to see rising because we know when it comes down to fight, even though now they have concerts and motorsports and all types of different other sports for you to check out, including combat sports, it's still hashtag fight like you mean it all day, every day. But other than that, I'm sorry that I went on a fucking rant. I mean, but what had to be said just needed to be said, you know? Especially when it came down to that situation. So, I mean, again, all I gotta say are two things instead of, you know, just the usual peace my peoples in one love world. All I gotta say is, from, I mean, especially in these times of quarantine hell, you just gotta be remembered from the words of the late great Robert Baseman Washington worked here in Houston for Radio 1, love and hate can never be friends. So just take the time out to love each other and always remember, as the legendary Lenny Hart likes to say, we And just like that, we out this mug. Talk to y'all later. Peace out. So long, everybody.